the views expressed in this presentation are those of the author and do not reflect the official policy of the Department of Army, Navy, Air Force, Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. There's a shift from this idea that, uh, you know, leadership comes from sort of these people in formal title positions who are authoritative and, you know, inspiring and tell us what to do and, and we follow them to this model of caring leadership. And that by caring for the people you lead, uh, you're actually going to be much more successful. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to give a quick thank you to all the support from our listeners that we've been getting. If you like what we're doing and you share our vision, a couple of ways you can help us grow is to engage with us on social media and share our posts, specifically on Twitter and Instagram. It's where we're the most active. You can give our podcast an honest review and rating. We read them all and we take them all to heart. And now you can even support us on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Today we have Dr. Colonel Joshua D. Hartzell. He serves as the program director of the National Capital Consortium Internal Medicine Residency Program at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. Dr. Hartzell attended the Uniformed Services University School of Medicine and then went to Walter Reed for his residency in internal medicine, where he served as chief resident until starting his infectious disease fellowship. He also served the United States Army for 19 years, which included deployment to Afghanistan as a battalion surgeon. He completed an assignment as the associate director for the program of internal medicine at Walter Reed prior to joining the Uniformed Services University in 2016. There he served as the assistant dean for faculty development. He was responsible for the professional development of over 4,000 faculty and delivered over 100 faculty development workshops. He holds the rank of professor of medicine at USU. Dr. Hartzell is also a graduate of the Stanford Faculty Development Facilitators course. He's also a Harvard Macy graduate and now faculty at the Harvard Macy Leading Innovations course. Dr. Hartzell also completed a master's of science in health professions education at Massachusetts General Hospital Institute of Health Professions in 2017. Dr. Hartzell's academic interests include faculty and leader development. He developed the LEAD program Dr. Hartzell also teaches leadership and organizational change and advanced readings and leadership for the Massachusetts General Hospital Institute for Health Professions Master's Program. Dr. Hartzell is committed to improving healthcare and personal well-being through developing physician leaders. Welcome to Leading the Rounds. Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Leading the Rounds. We have a really exciting guest for you today. But before we dive into this really, uh, really impactful topic that Caleb and I are really trying to like hammer home with this podcast, I wanted to touch base with Caleb because I understand you started a a new rotation today. So, what rotation are you on, Caleb? Yes, I started my internal medicine rotation, and I'm on hematology oncology right now at Cancer Center right now. So. This morning was good, learning a new team, meeting everybody, and just getting in the swing of things. So I got to ask, has anything that we've ever talked about on this podcast come into play with your experiences in the clinic so far? Oh, lots of things. Probably some of them would just be relationship building and meeting people Mm -hmm. and trying to get along with new faces all the time when you're changing teams and interpersonal interactions, things like that. That's the biggest one that comes right off the top of my head. Cause I met a new team today. I'm really glad to hear that. We're, uh, we're 
positively impacting our own lives besides the lives of our listeners. Um, yes. But it's, it's fitting that you're starting internal medicine because today we have Dr. Josh Hartzell. Uh, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. So I understand you're the program director for the National Capital Consortium of Internal Medicine Residency Program. Is that that's like the I am that's the I am residency at Walter Reed? Yeah, the I am residency at Walter Reed, and uh, I'm going to do my best to convince uh, Caleb that that's his uh, future career. <laughs> I don't know about that. I I think I want to go into surgery right now, and so you might have some hard convincing to do today. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But so, so Dr. Hartzell, for our listeners who don't know you, we brought you onto this podcast because we I ran into an article that you wrote about a systematic review of current leadership training for graduate medical students. And I wanted to start off our interview with the question of, as an expert in the leader in this field of medical physician leadership, how do you actually define physician leadership personally? Uh, well, uh, first off, thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate you guys' work, and um, I think it's it's really important, and it's great to see that you guys are putting so much effort into this and um, really helping to sort of advance, I think, uh, what is really a, a critically important topic for all of us in medicine. Um, I would actually just say that I'm not an expert in leadership development. Uh, whenever I hear people talk about experts in leadership development, I think that's probably not the person you want to have talking to you. Um, but I, I do, uh, I do enjoy the topic and, uh, love to think about it and sort of research it and talk about it. So, um, to, to answer your question, you know, what is, how do I define leadership? You know, I really think leadership is using your influence to help accomplish the mission or task, uh, while you're taking care of the people that you're leading. So I want to ask you about the systematic review again. Peter read it. He loved it. I also read it. And I picked out something in the background. You said leadership is a critical component of physician competence, yet the best approaches for developing leadership skills for physicians and training remain undefined. Have you spent some time to think about what different approaches you think would be best for developing leaders? When should it take place? Should it be mandatory? What are some things that need to be defined in order to develop a medical leader? Yeah, Caleb, I think you hit some really important uh, points with that, because um, I, I still think we're trying to figure out a lot of those answers. Uh, you know, personally, I think leadership development, uh, I mean, it actually begins way before medical school. Uh, most, most of us have experiences that uh, start to shape who we are as leaders, start to shape what our values are. Um, but our formal education in, in leadership, you know, I think for many, uh, you know, it's hard to say where that actually begins. I, I do think it should be a component of medical schools, although um, having uh, worked, you know, at our medical school, the Uniformed Services University for a while and looking at curriculum and trying to fit everything in, uh, that can be a real challenge. Um, having said that, I think leadership is one of those topics that, especially as we think of like health system science and uh, how care is delivered, um, can really be integrated with a lot of the other things we do. So, you know, I think ideally it would start within medical school and then you would build upon that in residency where, you know, uh, during residency, you have so many experiential learning opportunities. I mean, you're leading teams, uh, many residents are on committees, uh, you're taking part in quality improvement projects that also op offer an opportunity to really 
um, think about leadership, explore your own leadership styles. Uh, you mentioned your, your rotation and, you know, working with, with diverse teams, you certainly do that, um, both during care as well as quality improvement projects. So I think you build upon it during residency and then, you know, ideally as junior staff and as you move along within out your career, you continue to build on it. And I, you know, I think this is one of those things much like, um, you know, our, our, our training education as physicians, it's not something that ever stops. Uh, there's a lot of context involved in leadership. And as you get into different positions, you need to, to learn and do different things. So, uh, you know, my, my hope would be that over time, and I think you guys have had other guests on the, the show that have talked about this, that, you know, we would, we would start early and then it would just be a longitudinal approach to leadership development, uh, whether it's mandatory or not, boy, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's really, really important. I, you know, I, I, I do think there should be some leadership training. Uh, this has actually come up with, um, I think, some of the, you know, licensing bodies like uh, the ACGME and, you know, should it be mandated? Should it be part of the milestones process? As of yet, it's not really. Um, when you look through the milestones for residency training, for example, you'll see pieces or components of leadership, but there's not a specific one. Um so, you know, I, I think over time, we're going to see that it'll become probably more ingrained in our training. Um, but right now, I still think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're pretty early in the process of, of making this a formalized part of our curriculums. I wonder were... with step one becoming pass fail now, and some of the basic sciences, possibly taking a more backseat in medical school curriculum, if this can kind of move other People always call them soft skills, but I hate I hate that term. But leadership and and communication skills and team building into the more forefront of medical school curriculum. Yeah, it's another great question. Uh, I mean, I think when you when you look at the medical school curriculum, uh, even though there you know there's a there's a shift in some of the focus. I mean, the the fact is there's still a lot of stuff we have to learn to be able to take care of patients, um, and those basic sciences. Uh, you know, certainly some of it is, is applicable to what we do. I think we're already seeing a, a, a trend. Um, there's a lot of schools that are moving towards, including, you know, I mentioned health system science, but this idea of, you know, how the system works and leadership is, is absolutely a component of that. Uh, so, I, you know, I think based on what I've seen, I, I do think it will become more uh, prevalent in a lot of medical schools. I also think that, you uh, you know, it's, it's students like you guys and um, residents that I have that, that really are asking for more of this type of training. Uh, they recognize the need for it. They see that it allows them to be more effective, um, both taking care of their patients, but also um, working within the system to improve the system where they're delivering the care. What do you think is lesson number one for medical students? I, I honestly think um, lesson number one is just that it's important. I think to me, it's, you know, even, even sometimes with our residents, um, you know, as interns, uh, what, what I really want them to take away is that leadership training is, is really important to your career. Um, and, and I want you to be a student of leadership. So if I could just convince, you know, uh, a student or resident that they need to spend some time uh, on this, thinking about it, learning about it. And then it's going to make, um, it's going to make their delivery of care better, but I also think it's going to make their life better. Uh, you guys had, um, Dr. Shanefeld on, he talked about burnout. There's a lot of data coming out that, you know, more effective leadership 
uh, will decrease burnout, increase engagement. And I, I think that, you know, by talking to students early and getting them sort of um, to, to recognize just how important of a skill this is, that, that to me, that would be a win. Because I think if you do that, then over the course of three or four years um, in, in medical school, you pick up skills and then you continue to build upon them. And, you know, I, I think the other thing that I would do because I think we can learn a lot about leadership if we're looking for it. So I would just sort of, you know, introduce that idea to them and talk to them about, you know, throughout your medical school, four years, you're going to see a lot of people who um, are, you're going to work with. Some of them are going to be really effective leaders and some of them are maybe not going to be effective or really effective that you want to take away and put in your tool belt. And what is it about the ones maybe who weren't as effective that maybe you want to avoid doing some of those behaviors. I mean, I think, you know, Caleb is, is starting this new rotation and he already mentioned that he's observing, uh, you know, all the people he works with. Um, one of my uh, chief residents, Melanie Wiseman, did a study where we looked at reflective writings from third year um, clerkship students and they were writing about leadership. And, you know, there's a lot of observations that can be had and that's a lot of lessons. And I think, you know, because of that, you actually don't need to do a whole lot of extra in the curriculum. It's already there. Um, we just have to create a little bit of space to um, allow students or kind of get them to observe it, reflect upon it, and then take those lessons away. I actually really like that idea of reflective writing and thinking about it because there's been so many times this year where I thought to myself, man, this person handled this situation so well, and I want to emulate that in the future. But then there's also been so many times where I've seen a physician or a team member do something and I'm like, wow, I hope I never treat a, a patient like that or treat a teammate like that as well. Yeah, I think it's, you know, and I think, you know, everybody is, is, is obviously trying to do their best every day. And I, I think that we, we do see these lessons and, you know, your observation skills and just being aware of that. I think when we, we are explicit about that, well, we can learn a lot without actually having to expend a lot of other, you know, energy or time. Again, trying to fit all these lessons in when we're uh, trying to learn internal medicine or surgery, pediatrics, like all these other topics. Um, but a lot of the experiential learning is there. We just have to look for it. So is there anything that uniform services has start, started to employ to have a little bit more leadership training in there? Because I feel like Whenever I, I, I talk to anyone from the military, it seems like they're just way ahead of this stuff than any other field because they're constantly thinking about it. Because I feel like in the military, it's more often than not a life or death situation. <laughs> well, you could say the same probably about some of the healthcare situations that, that, that we're in. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, the Uniformed Services University um, has had a long sort of history of teaching leadership. Um, when Art Kellerman uh, was the dean there, um, he sort of labeled it the Leadership Academy for, for medicine for, you know, sort of similar to the West Point or the Naval Academy. And, you know, several years ago, they really revamped their leadership curriculum and they've done a really nice job. It's a longitudinal curriculum. It's all four years. They, they do a lot to, to think about the different sort of um, uh, types of leadership. They follow a model based off of um, the Air Force Academy. Um, it's the PEDO model and they've adapted it. It's called the PEDO 4C. If you go to their website, you can actually look at it and um, sort of get more detail on it. But it's it's based on this idea that, you know, 
like personal, how do you develop yourself as a personal leader? And I, what, what I love about this is anytime you, you read almost any leadership book, there's a section or a part about what are your values as a leader? Um, you guys already asked the question, how do you define leadership? And I think that's really where it starts is kind of figure out who you are as a leader. How do you lead authentically? And then the next part they look at is <laughs> interpersonal. So how do you deal with others? You mentioned, Caleb, I think you mentioned already some conflict that maybe you saw, right? So, you know, emotional intelligence, how do you deal with others? And then it goes to teams. Uh, and then from teams, you start talking about the organization. And they follow this model um, over the course of four years. And then they do this really uh, tremendous uh, field exercise where we actually go and sort of simulate an operational environment uh, for several days. And it's, it's really a, just a leadership exercise where all of them get put in different leadership positions and stressed uh, to try to help them, again, practice leadership, think about it. And they, we obviously do some, some clinical care and some trauma care in there as well. But, but the, the exercise is called Bushmaster, and it's, it's really all about leadership development. Are there things that you do uh, specifically in the hospital with your team to try to teach on these subjects and and help your team function well? So we we try to take a like a multifaceted approach. So um, several years ago, we so that the program at the medical school, Uniform Services University, is called LEAD, Leadership, Education, and Development. Uh, we created a longitudinal curriculum uh, at Walter Reed called LEAD 2.0, so sort of the extension. And the idea being that, you know, the medical students, so for us, we get medical students from the Uniformed Services University, and then we get students from the Health Profession Scholarship Program, uh, which are from all across the country, you know, many different medical schools. Um, but we, we certainly try to build on what the Uniformed Services does and then what other medical schools do. So we have a, uh, a longitudinal curriculum. Once a month, we have a workshop on leadership, and we cover 12 different topics topics a year. It rotates so that every year it's the same topics. So if you're just off-site one year, the, the goal would be that once in the course of your residency, you would get all 12 topics. And, you know, we cover things such as leadership styles, who, who you are as a leader, mentorship, uh, burnout is a topic, toxic leadership is a topic, um, conflict resolution, emotional intelligence. So we go over these 12 topics once a month. And then we, we, we've also done for, I think this is the seventh year in a row now, we've done a leadership book club. So we've picked different books and uh, in the residents uh, for the last couple of years, we've had them pick them and we spend you know a couple sessions um, after they've had a chance to read the book to sit down and talk about you know what lessons from these books can we apply to our lives as healthcare providers and how can, how can we use that to provide more effective care um, within the hospital and within our teams. And then we do a lot of individualized coaching and uh, mentoring as well. You know, so if, if we have residents who are doing quality improvement projects or residents who are doing other leadership, you know, activities, ideally we're somewhat sitting down with them and talking to them and trying to help them figure out the challenges that they're, they're facing. That's kind of a lot of stuff. And I was wondering of all these things that you're doing in Lead and Lead 2.0, what is, have you found as the most impactful to the individual's development? Yeah, it's, I think you, you maybe hit the key there, Peter, which is the individual development. I, I think it's different for different folks. And I think it becomes um, important to different uh, 
residents at different times. And sometimes that may not even be during residency. Um, for example, I recently had a resident who um, had graduated and was um, put, in a, put in a pretty big like leadership position as like a chief of a department uh, fairly quickly after graduating. And when she had contacted me, she was like, I'm so glad I took notes um, because I'm looking back sort of at those now and then was asking for references and other books, other ideas, other things to read. Um, so I, I, you know, I think realistically speaking, you know, we do the book club, probably 30% of our residents maybe read the book. Uh, that's okay. Um, they have at least a copy so that, you know, two or three or four years later, um, if they took the copy with them, uh, and they're in a position where they're, you know, sort of in need of it, maybe they'll pull it out. But I think, you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, residency is hard. It's really busy. And, you know, uh, I certainly would tell you, you know, and, and for our residents, the primary, primary goal is to become really good internal medicine physicians. So they have to be great clinically first. Um, obviously leadership is an important component of that, but they, you know, need to take care of patients in the ICU and in the clinic and Hemon clinic, uh, wherever, you know, wherever they're at. So, uh, I think a lot of the timing of when they maybe get more involved in leadership, uh, it just depends on where they're at in their own trajectory and, you know, how much they find interest in it. Um, but, but I would also say that for, for, for some of them, uh, you know, it depends also on what experiences they've had in their past. And I think that's, you know, similar to you guys, like what drove you to do this podcast? You clearly have an interest in this. Uh, there's, you probably have similar students who have an interest in it. And then you have some who are just like, man, I just want to get through med school and survive. So what would you tell a resident or a student who maybe is listening and their school or their institution doesn't have something like this in place? where they have programs to learn about leadership and so to have book clubs and do things like that. What, what are the different things that they can do to hone their leadership and to develop these skills? Yeah, that's a really good question, Caleb. And I, you know, I, I think honestly, like I I've, I've done a lot of formal leadership courses, um, participated in them or taught them. And, and I often think while those are important, um, probably the most effective leadership like development or training I've had has actually been things that I've done on my own, whether it's reading a book or listening to a podcast or talking to a mentor. Um, you know, when we learn, we think about it, right. Uh, you either learn from formal classes, you learn from mentoring or coaching, or you learn from, um, on the job experience. So I think what I would tell them is, you know, if this is an area of interest for you, there's absolutely no shortage of resources. Um, they could certainly start with a really good podcast. It's led by two, uh, motivated, <laughs> um, students. You guys may, may know them or have heard of them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you have to commute to work often, you know, listen to a podcast. Um, if you're on a rotation and you see conflict and you want to learn about how to deal with conflict, uh, you know, read an article on it. Um, I mean, you can go to the web and find so many different, uh, resources. I think that's part of the issue, though, is that, you know, how do you curate this material? Um, so I, I would say, you know, pick one or two resources that you think are really well done and then stick with those. Um, and then, you know, over the course of, you know, our, the nice thing about medicine and I guess any career is we have a long career. Um, so if, if you just invested in reading, honestly, like one book a year, 
by the time you finished residency, right, you have already read, like, depending on the length of your residency, anywhere from seven to, you know, 10 books. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of books. But when you break it down to think it's only one book a year, that's that's a much more manageable task for residents um, who are working, you know, up to 80 hours a week at times and students who are, you know, working long hours and trying to study for exams and stuff. So I, I would just tell them, you know, be a student of leadership, find a, find some find some resources that, that you think are interesting. Um, and then, you know, just over time, invest in it. I think if you invest in it uh, and you guys can, you know, from your own experience, I, I just feel like you get more comfortable with it and you feel like you're getting better um, because you're learning some of these skills and new approaches to things. So I want to take a quick step back to kind of what we were touching on the be- uh, a little bit towards the beginning of the episode. And I wanted to ask you, because it seems like you could, you could learn all these leadership skills by putting in a little bit of investment, you know, throughout your, your training. Why do you think that leadership training has taken a backseat to other forms of interpersonal skills beyond the already demanding workload of a medical student or resident? You, you know, it's a, it's a good question, Peter. I, I think part of it is just, you know, medical school to, to lay it out and build a curriculum is really complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think just trying to figure out how to fit it in and then how to do it well. Um, I mean, I have talked to a lot of colleagues at different institutions who have, you know, thought about leadership curriculums and, and, uh, you know, even, even some of the stuff we do, like some of it goes well and some of it doesn't go well. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, there's a little bit of, um, uh, just, just the, I think the the sheer fact that there's so much to teach, um, and you're right, we do teach other, other things that often overlap with leadership, such as just general communication skills and stuff. But, uh, I think, I think it's just still, we're in an infancy in terms of how important this is. And, um, I don't necessarily think that everyone has bought into the fact that this is something we should be teaching, certainly in medical school, um, even in, even in residency, um, there, there are some people who think, Hey, this, this is like, you need to learn how to be a good quote unquote, you know, doctor first, and then you can learn some of these other skills. I, I would argue that, you know, being a good physician is being a good leader. Um, and it's, it's really a, an instrumental part of that. Um, but not everyone I think feels the same way. Has some of your research shown how instrumental it is? Have you looked into that? Great, great question. I wish I wish I have. Um, uh, I wish I had more time to uh, to look at some of the outcomes. I mean, you guys read the paper, and I think one of the um, the big challenges with leadership curriculums is, is showing meaningful results. Uh, so when we talk about, um, you know when we do this, uh, for example, like we've just recently looked at some of the data for our leadership book club. And it, it tends to be that, you know, the residents find it useful. Um, but is that really, you know, a meaningful impact? I mean, really what we would like to look at is, does it change the way they behave? Uh, can we do before and after observations of them, uh, and have people actually evaluate their leadership skills? I mean, that's, where we'd like to go. Um, we just don't have that kind of data yet. And I, I think, you know, over time, as we get more and more leadership curriculums developed, 
that's really where we'll hopefully go, right? If you're a first year, um, I think it's hard in medical school to do that because you're just not in as many leadership positions. But I think as a resident, uh, you could certainly look at um, some observations of leadership early during residency, uh, implement some type of curriculum and you know training and education, and then have further evaluation down the line and just see how it's how it's changed their behavior. Just kind of out of curiosity, what would be some of the metrics that you would like to track looking at something like that? I think there's a couple things. I mean, one would be, um, I think, communication amongst the team. Uh, do we feel like there's an improvement in communication? Uh, I think specifically looking at interprofessional communication amongst um, you know, our physicians, uh, but also the nursing staff, the social workers, the discharge planning. Um, you know, if we do training for, say, on emotional intelligence and conflict resolution, does that improve the relationships between the, these, these groups? Um, the, the other thing I'd really like to look at, and I think this is partly you could do in residency, and it's probably even more so. I mean, this goes back to the Shanafelt work, but I, I really have a strong sort of belief that um, if we're more effective as leaders, the, the rate of burnout will go down because I think that if you're a resident and you feel empowered and you feel like you're making a difference, even if you're working hard, you're probably going to feel better about what you're doing and be less likely to be burned out. Um, also, hopefully some of that empowerment um, along with your, your program allows you to create change within your program that will foster improvements that'll actually make life better as a resident, right? So, you know, whatever those changes might be, whether it's changes to the schedule or changes to rotations, um, new electives, other things within your program that, that you've created as residents, which then ultimately, hopefully, because of that increased sense of purpose, would decrease burnout. I don't know if you guys have read the book um, Drive by Daniel Pink, um, but I'm a, I'm, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge fan of, of, uh, of Daniel Pink. He talks about... Um, purpose, autonomy, and expertise, and how those three things, he uses it to say motivation, um, which to me is, is you know, that's mm -hmm. the opposite of burnout, really, in some ways, is if, you're, if you can stay motivated and stay engaged. Mm -hmm. so I would also like to add uh, a couple metrics that I, I just thought of really quick. I wonder if, Peter, maybe you have a couple more, but I, cool. I would okay, like to look ahead. at maybe patient patient outcomes, even, and then also potentially like communication between uh, like teams within teams, like with medical students um, and with different members of the team, but then also like communication between like consulting services as well, because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times you consult and teams are working in complete silos and, and people don't know what's being ordered when. And I feel like patient outcomes could be improved if you have better leadership and better communication between consulting teams. Yeah, so I was actually curious uh, to something similar that Caleb just mentioned, but I was wondering what would be more significantly correlated? Would it be your self, your, your own perceived notion of how, how much you've improved in your leadership to your ability to become and your outcomes in terms of your patient care? Or if your perceived leadership ability from others is more significantly correlated to your outcomes in patient care? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting um, question. 
I mean, ultimately, I think it's about what others observe. I mean, we all mm -hmm. have our own self-assessment, I guess, about how we're performing. But, you know, it's it's really how others who we're interacting with, you know, sort of how we show up for them in the workplace. Um, so I think it would be about their observations of us, their observations of our behaviors. And, you know, I, I completely agree, Caleb. I, I would love to look at patient outcomes. I think even for... Um, you know, healthcare executives and healthcare leaders that are much higher levels. Um, we, we still don't have, we have some data, uh, but when you try to find that data, there's not a lot of really like powerful data to, to say that physician leaders um, or more effective physician leaders provide better care. I think we, we all think that, um, but, but when you actually look for hard data, there's not a ton of studies on that. Um, but, but again, I think we're going to see more and more studies on that probably, you know, as time goes on. There's a question or a thought that I've, I've been pondering since Caleb and I started talking about leadership, even before we started the podcast. And throughout the podcast, we've, we've brought in people like Drew Dudley uh, and Hamza Khan and people from the military, like Dr. Hurtling, and they all, all had these great ideas that they brought into our context of medicine. And I believe that being a doctor is one of the, the best things you could possibly do with your life. And it's, it's a very dynamic profession that presents you with a unique set of challenges, but I haven't seen any physicians come forward with the next big leadership idea. And so I, I want to challenge you, Dr. Hartzell or Josh, <laughs> is there, is there anything that you feel that like you've learned being a physician that has changed your perspective on leadership in general? Um, I, I don't know if it's being a physician, I guess it's overlap. Um, and that boy, Peter, man, I say, that's a really good question. Um, uh, I, you know, I think as I've been, um, reflecting on leadership a lot over the last couple of years and, and watching, I think trends in leadership, uh, I, I think what you're seeing is that there's a shift from this idea that, uh, you know, leadership comes from sort of these people in formal title positions who are authoritative and, you know, inspiring and tell us what to do. And, and we follow them to this model of caring leadership and the idea that uh, leaders really care about the people they lead and that by caring for the people you lead, uh, you're actually going to be much more successful. And I think you know, I, I, there's two quotes that, that I love on this. Um, one is a, a Teddy Roosevelt quote, which if, if, if you've never read books about Teddy Roosevelt, it's like reading a movie because the guy is just phenomenal. Um, but one but of my the favorite, quote is... Sorry, sorry I, I hate to interrupt you, but one of my favorite Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> stories is is when he got shot giving a speech and and just finished his speech while bleeding from getting shot in the chest. I think it was the chest. Yeah. I mean, that's like, but that's it. Like the whole book, you just read it. Like you read his books, like read the rise of Teddy Roosevelt. Um, and it's, it's, it's literally like a movie. And then, then you think, no, no, that, that guy was real. He was actually a president and many other things. Um, but, but his quote was like, no one cares how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Um, and then, you know, Simon Sinek has a quote about, you know, it's, it's not about being in charge, but it's taking care of those in your charge. And, and to me, I think that the, the the shift in leadership is that it's this idea that you have to care for your people first. And that when you care for your people first, they'll take care of the mission. 
uh, and there, you know, the, the army has this phrase mission, mission first, people always. And, uh, you know, the, the idea is you, you, you can't do one without the other, but I, you know, I think of our healthcare organizations and you think of all that's gone on with COVID and, you know, ultimately if, if I take care of, uh, my residents, um, then hopefully they'll deliver really good care to our patients. Um, if my, uh, you know, department chair, chief of medicine takes good care of me and all of our, um, all the people that work for him, then we'll do a really good job taking care of our patients. So I, I think as we move forward, the, the big idea in my mind is this idea of caring leadership, which, you know, I think if you would have brought that up 10 years ago, people would have been like, whoa, caring leadership. All right. That's, that's a little soft, isn't it? Um, but I also think it's important that when we say that, uh, you know, when we say we care, the, the reaction is often that, that some people will think, oh, well, you know, you're just being soft on people. And, but, but in reality, like if I really care about someone, I have to hold them accountable. Uh, and the reason I hold them accountable is because I want them to do well. Um, so I need to give them tough feedback at times. I need to be honest with them about their performance. Uh, I need to make sure that they know how they're performing so that they can get better. Um, you know, we have high expectations for you. So here's what I expect you to do so that you can get better so that you can be successful in your career. Um, and, and there's nothing soft or um, easy about those discussions, um, but they come from a place of caring. And, you know, I think to me, Peter, that that's the big shift. That's what we're going to see, mm-hmm. um, you know, over time with leadership. And I think when it comes to caring, physicians are at the forefront of that because it's what they've been doing forever. It's, it's natural for us, right? Like we, we, we are taught from day one, right. To take care of patients. Mm -hmm. So the natural extension is, you know, why would you not take care of those you lead in a, in a similar manner? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think also along the same lines is, is empathy as well. And caring empathy physicians are at the unique place where we have to care, but we also have to empathize with our patients and with our team members. And I think that goes along with the same style of leadership that you're mentioning. Yeah. And I, and I think like over time that's become more evident. I mean, things that were acceptable in medical education and, and in medicine, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the way, you know, trainees were treated or the way that maybe nurses or, you know, other support staff were treated. I mean, that, those things are really just like, while they still happen, like I don't live in a utopian world where I think that, um, you know, they never happen. I, I do think that, you know, they're, they're much less common and that people are held accountable for, for, you know, mistreating people that, that they work with. And you guys already mentioned this idea of, uh, civility, right? The, the idea that when, you know, I call a consultant, uh, they answer the phone and they're like, Hey, how, how can I help you? Right. It's someone on the other end who answers with a, uh, a sense of help and wanting to be helpful and not like, oh my God, why are you calling me at four o'clock in the afternoon? So I want to ask about the person maybe who's doubtful about this, or if an educator is listening or resident or a med student, and they want to educate uh, their medical students or even a pre-med below them about the importance of this. And they're trying to think of reasons uh, why somebody might doubt and ways to convince them that this is important. What would you say to the person that's maybe saying, I'm too busy for this. I don't want to deal with this right now. I just want to learn about what's going to make me a good doctor and I'll worry about this later. 
Yeah. Uh, boy, another really good question. I, I, I would say one, I would read Shana Felt's work on burnout. Um, there's a burnout crisis in healthcare. And if you don't think leadership is important, um, read his work and look at the data that, that shows that it's really important to all of us in healthcare and, and how we're going to do um, from the burnout perspective. The, the other thing I would, I would ask them to do is I would ask them to think about the challenges they have on a day-to-day basis and reflect on what it is about those challenges that they find so challenging. My guess would be that many or most of those challenges um, are not about the clinical decisions they're making. Some of them are, uh, but I think, you know, I think a lot of them are going to be leadership challenges. Uh, I have a, a colleague, um, uh, Jessica Servi, who's the uh, associate dean for faculty affairs at the Uniform Service University. And, you know, we used to always joke, like, it's a leadership issue. So when you think of all the situations, all the scenarios, even the ones you mentioned, Caleb, about your rotation, uh, conflict in the workplace, that's, that's a leadership issue. Um, you know, how to deliver care in a timely, efficient, costly manner, that's a leadership issue. Um, how to uh, get, you know, get residents to be motivated about a particular curriculum idea, that's a leadership issue. So I think when, when you really stop and actually spend some time reflecting on it, it, it you, you start to recognize that, man, these, these, are, these are really our leadership issues. And if I was a little more effective at my communication skills or a little more effective with my emotional intelligence and the way I you know, react in certain situations or the way I communicate in certain situations, uh, this might be able to go a little bit more effectively. And, and I think to me, that's it. When you really start thinking about some of these issues, they're leadership issues. And, and hopefully when you recognize that, you would buy into the fact that we need to do some more training and education. I love that call to action because it highlights everything that Caleb and I are really trying to work on to inspire our colleagues. Um, and so, first of all, thank you for your time, Josh. We really appreciated everything that you've shared with us today, especially your, your ideas and time. We want to end our show with a question that we ask all of our interviewees, all of our leaders, and that is, uh, what are some books that you'd recommend to young medical leaders? And so you mentioned that you have a book club, and I think this is the perfect question for you. You're ready for it. Let's hear them. Yeah, it, I, uh, <laughs> there's so many good books. Um, and, and I love listening to your show because I always get more. I'm, and I'm like, man, I can, I can read those. Um, I, I think, you know, first off, it, it depends on where you're at in your leadership, like journey, uh, career. Um, I think there's, uh, and I'm going to try to name some that I, I haven't heard, although I haven't listened to all your podcasts, but I'll try to hit a couple different ones. Um, I, I think there's a book called extreme ownership, uh, by Jocko Wilnick, um, mm-hmm. which is really good. It's well-written. Um, there's a lot of interesting stories, both from the business world and then from a, a military, um, aspect. I, I think that's a nice foundational book for, for folks. Um, there's a book called Leadership Challenge, uh, which is a, a more sort of a uh, little bit older book, but it's also really well done. Um, I think, you know, anything by Brene Brown, we've, we did her, one of her books last year. It was outstanding. It talks about values and leadership. And then um, I'm going to throw a little bit different one out there just because this book was really impactful for me. 
and it talks about developing others. And I think um, you guys had a show on mentoring, uh, but the book Athena mm-hmm. Rising and the book Athena Rising is really about, um, it, it was initially written by two men about how to mentor um, women, but I think there's so many impactful lessons in there just about mentoring in general um, that, that that would be a, a, a great one. And then I'll finish with um, the book Culture Code. And oh, it's a great book. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. We actually had um, last night, um, we had our entire uh, residency leadership team over to my house. Um, we'd all spent uh, the last month or so reading the book. And then we talked about ideas from it and how we can improve mm-hmm. the culture within our residency program. And I think that book, again, when you go back to the, the pedo model, right? Like personal, interpersonal team organization, this is really about the team and the organization. And it, boy, it's, it's just well-written. And there are so many pearls in that book. Um, and there's lots of, uh, Daniel Coyle's the author. There's lots of podcasts out there with him as well. Um, he would be a great guest for, for your show if you guys can, can snag him. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think that, that would be a couple and, uh, man, I mean, there, there's just so many good books out there. There definitely are. There definitely are. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Josh Hartzell. This was great. I really enjoyed it. Peter, did you have a good time? Had a great time. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Really, really love what you're doing and I look forward to uh, continuing to listen to your work. And also, um, you know, please reach out. And let me know if there's anything I can do to help you guys as you uh, continue your careers. Thank you. I really appreciate it. that's all for today thanks everyone so much for listening to this episode of leading the rounds hopefully you were able to learn something new and get a better perspective of how we can improve as leaders if you like our content please subscribe and follow we work to put out a new episode every other week you can also contact us and connect with us on instagram facebook or twitter at leading the rounds or email us at leading the rounds at gmail.com See you next time on Leading the Rounds.